This is Netball Nation. Powered by Netball UK, your one-stop shop for everything netball. Right, let's not hang around then. This girl is known for not only being one of the best shooters in the history of the game, but also a player who's not afraid to speak her mind. Sarah could definitely relate to that. Please give a very warm welcome to Cat to Inviting. Yeah. Hi, everybody. Cat, oh, thank you so much for joining us. Now, before we get cracking um, with a load of questions for you, first up, Sarah and Mags, do you have any anecdotes or favourite memories of Cat that you want to share with us? Oh, be nice, Damon. Go on, Sarah. I've got plenty, but probably not that can be shared on a podcast. <laughs> I just want to get in me first and tell you that I'm a mom now. So responsible now, looking after another human. No, we, we just had we had a great time together in Wellington. Um yeah, so I mean all my all my memories just come from a, a really good season and we kind of both moved there at the same time and we're both new into town, so we, we did a lot of cafe hopping. They had no choice but to enjoy us, right, Damon? No choice. Well, it sounds like Sarah's gonna be tight lipped about your stories, um, so we'll have to use our imagination. But first off, Kat, tell us about life in Italy, which is of course one of the country's worst hit by COVID nineteen. Yeah, it's it's a little rough at the moment. It's the numbers are coming down and I'm talking deaths and new cases. So um, all we can do is just wait. Now, me and my little family left the boat to try and get back into New Zealand, um, and now everything's kind of shut down, so it's getting a little harder. But, look, we're just abiding by the rules, which is something that's a little foreign to me, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I'm just doing what I can, like doing what I can to make sure that I keep me and my family safe and away from home so we can pop home. And yeah, move on with normal life. Well, you mentioned your family there, uh, Kat. Obviously, you're raising your son during the lockdown. Mm -hmm. uh, how is that? And how are you staying in touch with loved ones and just generally keeping sane? Yeah, it's, I'm finding it hard, I think, because I am a first-time mum and moving away from all my family to do all this stuff on my own has been tough in itself. And to be locked up in the house is even harder because... You know, my boys are—he's oh, six months now, so he's starting to notice me and my husband. I was going to say people, but he only sees two, <laughs> and so I want to—I want him to get out and, um, you know, like play in the grass, and we can go for a swim and do all that stuff because he's at a really awesome development stage. But we literally can't do anything with him, so I feel really bad. But I'm—I'm I'm also grateful that he's not a four-year-old who knows yes. he's been locked in and is just going to annoy me every single day until we're allowed <laughs> to go outside. So that's my silver lining. He has no idea. It's beautiful. That is going to be tough. Even, you know, with a six-month-old boy, he might not be aware, but you are. What kind of things are you doing to look after your mental health, Kat? Yeah, well, me and my husband, um, we have a really small space to work out. So we're in an apartment-style house and our space is really small, but we get to do some physical activity, which is something I've been fighting all my career. I'm not even going to lie. I, if I wasn't competing in anything, you would not see me at the gym just working out for fun. So it's been a little tough for me, but in order to, to rip the day in half, we need to work out because, you know, sitting around watching TV sounds nice and I thought I would enjoy it, but it's painfully boring. So that's what we do for us. And for my boy, we are allowed outside onto the street. So we go out walking and we try and walk to the main road where we hopefully see cars go past. So, you know, so he can look at different things because 
it's been, I think, seven or eight weeks now that we've been locked in. So that's a, that's a bloody long time for a small boy to only see his parents and a select few rooms in the house. So that's what we're trying to do for him. And my goodness, he has great sleeps when we go outside. Oh, <laughs> he sleeps through the night when we actually give him things to do. Yeah, it's, it's tough, but. I mean, we're still grateful that we're healthy and we've got somewhere to live, really, to be honest. And obviously, we know what the feeling's like over here in the UK, but what's, what is it like overall in Italy? It's, it's very quiet outside. Um, everyone is actually abiding by the rules, which is really nice. But I think it's been such a long journey. And like I mentioned earlier, the numbers are changing. And while the numbers are still quite horrific, I mean, our daily deaths have come down to like 300 a day. So that sounds terrible, but they were hitting like eight, nine hundred every day for weeks. So when you when you put it in perspective, things are changing, and I think um, the people of Italy are really starting to get a little bit more optimistic that things will start to go back to normal soon. So that's that's quite nice. I think that's kind of echoed over here as well, don't you, Mags and Sarah? That people are starting to feel that there might be a light at the end of the tunnel. I think we always knew that there would be a light at the end of the tunnel. It was just a case of when it would come and it's that crystal ball moment. Mm. So we watch avidly what's happening in Italy and in Spain, hoping that we can take some sort of uh, lead from what they're doing. And the fact that Kat's saying that things are slowly but surely, you know, going to be returning to, no to normal gives us hope. Kat, how, how proud are you of New Zealand and how they've dealt with it and you know, got on top of it so quickly. Yeah, oh my God, I'm like really, really happy and really proud that um, we have Jacinda Ardern at the helm and she's just an incredible woman. And, you know, the, the sticky thing about politics is you're not going to be everyone's flavour. And so to just to know that that woman has actually been through quite a lot in her reign, actually, and she's had a baby there was a mass shooting in New Zealand. There was a volcano eruption. Like, there are a lot of things that have happened in her time as the Prime Minister. And um, I think she does make me really proud to be a Kiwi. And I love that New Zealand have embraced it. But in true Kiwi style, we dropped down a level Monday, their time. And so McDonald's and KFC opened, didn't it? <laughs> so those lines are out and around the corner and down the road waiting to get a friggin' cheeseburger. So <laughs> Kiwi, Kiwi, Kiwi. Sarah spoke about us eating our way around Wellington. Kiwi Sarah. <laughs> You're right though, she has done she has done an incredible job uh, in the face of adversity. Um Kat, your career to date has been incredible you've done pretty much all there is to do as a professional netballer playing in the world's three top leagues and on the international stage as well what for you are the main differences and similarities between those leagues um i guess it would be popularity and i think that england is definitely coming up the uk league is definitely coming up and rightfully so but i guess just the popularity of the game and how good the game really is is um, something that changes wherever I go. So in New Zealand, it's a pretty big sport for women. Um, and in Australia, it's still a big sport for women, but it's still underlying some of the male-dominated sports. But it is moving up. And um, 
the same thing with the UK. I mean, it's it's definitely moving and it's becoming a sport that is a little bit more common in um, starting at a school level. So, yeah, I think popularity is probably the biggest difference I see when I um, when I get around a little bit. <laughs> uh, that's something we talk about quite a bit here on Netball Nation as well, isn't it, girls, about the fact that it's kind of the chicken or the egg. How do we make it more popular? How do we get the, the finances, the financial backing behind it to make it happen, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And I think, you know, a lot's been made of, of what happens with the league this year. And I think for me, like one of the major differences between our league and, and Australia and New Zealand is is just the kind of TV revenue. So, you know, things are looking really good in New Zealand. Things are looking pretty good in Australia in terms of easing lockdown. And I think their leagues will get finished. Um, but also I think they're more keen to, to finish their leagues, even if that's behind closed doors because of the TV revenue, where that's not something we've got at the minute. And so yeah. our situation looks a little bit worse from all scenarios, because even if we get to a point where you can have 14 players on court, we probably can't have people in the st- in the stadium, which is where teams get revenue from. Well, we'll, um, we'll obviously be talking about that in the coming sort of weeks and, and months. Um, Kat, for you, what are the highlights of your career so far? Um, I think the highlights for me have been the few occasions, actually, that I've um, gone against what I thought I was going to do. And... I just pushed back. I rebelled, I guess, for lack of a better word. Um, there have been a few things that happened, mostly towards the end of my career, where it was like, yeah, no, we're not going to pick you. See ya. And so I sit on that for a little while, and I'm like, yeah, I think I'm done. Nope. I'm coming back because you said that you didn't want me. So there's been a lot of things that that I've just been driven by uh, a little bit of animosity. I mean, I get really mad when people say no to me but I think it's more <laughs> about proving things not only to other people but more so for myself so I came back from an injury I came back from many non-selections um I've done a few cool things um aside from actually playing the actual game it's those things that stand out more for me because they they weigh heavy on my heart but I'm actually content now because I've fought back can't you usually deal with things at the time um, because that's the kind of person you are. Don't let it fester, deal with it, step up, man up. And, but but do, are you one of those kind of people who can deal with it and then it's done, you move on, and next time you see that person, cup of tea, maybe you know a little drink, or are you one of these people who thinks, now nah, you cross me, we're done? <laughs> yeah, I'm the letter. I said RIP to a few people in her time. (laughs) Sarah Bateman has travelled very lightly. She's she stayed on my good side. That's why I answered the phone. (laughs) Anyway, no, I'm definitely one of those people who needs to, um, I think, address it because I do wear my heart on my sleeve, and if and if it is weighing heavy on my soul, I will not let it go. And that's why things do dribble out of my mouth because if I don't say it, then I'm the only one that gets chewed up about it. And, you know, over time, I've obviously had to work on my tact and maybe refraining on a couple of swear words (laughs) because I probably shouldn't. But no, I think I'm just unapologetically me because I know that I would like that in return. If somebody had a problem with me, I'd respect them a hell of a lot more if they walked up to me and told me they didn't like me. Yeah. As opposed to pretending they did and taking it around the corner. So I, yeah, I kind of act the way that I expect to be treated. When when we were at Pulse, it was just after 
why had not picked you for mm-hmm. World Cup and why was obviously yeah. why Tamanu was obviously um, like head of performance at, at Pulse and you kind of go into that scenario thinking God this could be a, an absolute car crash and why have either of them done this to to each other like you come into Pulse why yeah. kind of getting you to Pulse but before you came on we were kind of talking about what makes you so great and and I was saying it's just the fact that you you know you're happy to just say stuff and you know you're you're happy to go in and and kind of fight for for what you believe in but I think you also respect people who do the same so you and why probably two of the scariest people you know (laughs) ever but just on able to be like on a level with each other like do, do you find it easier when people are just straight like that? Absolutely. I mean, it's, it's, it's an, I do this with all my relationships. I do it with my mum and dad and my sisters and my brothers and my husband. I, I don't see any point in not being able to tell people what's on your heart, even if you know it's going to make the both of you uncomfortable. Now, in my netball career, when Y did drop me, oh, I just, oh, did I want to hit her? I'm not going to say that. <laughs> I could not understand it for the life of me. And I think what hurt me the most was that she admitted she didn't know what to do. And so she needed to drop me. And so I walked away from that conversation thinking, oh, great. Like, I've been let go, but you don't even know why. Like, how can I fix this if I don't know what it is and you don't? So I was very upset about it. So when I, when I addressed it with her... I respected what she said to me so much more because she was honest about what she felt at the time and she didn't know she needed to make decisions and unfortunately it was my neck on the block. So in the heat of the moment, it didn't feel very nice, but as I matured in a couple of weeks from that conversation, <laughs> I realised that she told me her honest truth and, and I can't get upset with that. So we kept it very professional, but, you know, it's a business at the end of the day. She was trying to win and she didn't think I could do that for her. And she told me that straight up. That's what I respected about it. You speak very matter-of-factly and, and it is admirable. And, you know, you, you, you've self-declared Netball's biggest mouth. That's in your Instagram bio, Kat. And <laughs> it is, it's amazing uh, because we get things done a lot sooner. We'd get things sorted if people had a more direct approach like you. But have you always been like that or have you changed um, and become more like that as your career has progressed? Um, I've always been quite opinionated. My mum reminds me daily. But it's more that my tact has changed. I I spent a little bit more time as I got older as a player trying to get to know my teammates and my coaching staff and, and the support staff enough to know how I can speak with them um, just because I like people to come straight to me and say, hey, you're not good enough, fix this. Um, doesn't mean that everybody likes to be spoken to like that. So I needed to really mature a little bit in um, a netball sense to make sure that I could communicate with people the way that they like to be communicated. So I had to work a little bit harder on getting to know these people so that they knew that when I was speaking to them, I had gotten to know them. So I knew how they liked their information. I thought that was the most respectful thing to do because not everyone is like me, unfortunately. (laughs) Oh my God. (laughs) That form of communication, Kat, has stretched out as well to internet trolls. Um, because you've also called them out, haven't you? Do you feel kind of like, um, because you're unafraid to do that, that you are almost a spokesperson for netballers? No, and I, I like, I just, 
I just don't think it's good enough. I feel like if you can say something, then why can't I say it back? It's just, it's, I just don't think that the internet is a real true reflection of who we are as people and there are memes on there and honestly, most of the time I sit there giggling and thinking of something I can say back that isn't going to be mean but it's going to actually make me laugh. And so I just, I, and I'm, but I'm very cautious. I am very cautious because I know there are like some young people following me and some people who see me in a very different light. So the first thing that comes to my head does not make it. So you're telling me what, what we see has been filtered? <laughs> no, that's just my gift to everyone else. You get my second thought because I don't want you to really hear what I'm thinking. <laughs> uh, well, we, we want to hear what you're really thinking, Kat. Um, it's, it's a weird time for sport and netball, obviously, now. How do you think netball's going to get back on its feet after lockdown? It's, um, I find the sport industry a little interesting at the moment. My husband is obviously still playing rugby. Well, he should be. But, you know, with it being not necessarily essential and more like a entertainment, it's really interesting to watch the rugby rugby try and pull itself back over here in Italy. So I find that netball is going to have the same kind of struggles. I think, like Sarah touched on earlier, there's a lot of money surrounding the issues that are going to come forward in the next couple of months trying to get netball back on TV and bums on seats. And I just think the netball community together needs to really figure out what's important and how how hard these teething problems are going to be to try and get it off the ground again. And and just understand that it actually is worth it for our girls and our boys who do like to play netball. It's going to be rough. It's going to hit everyone in the pockets. But at the end of the day, we're all in a great position because netball, even 10 years ago, was struggling even worse than what we are now with a pandemic. So just weathering the storm, I think, is going to be the hardest thing to ask for for franchises. I don't know the business side of every franchise. I, I can't even imagine playing is hard enough for me, thanks. <laughs> but just weather the storm because this is a great game and we need to get it back. We need to get it back. We certainly do. And as, as soon as possible, um, when, when it's reasonable to do so. So all being well, it does come out of this. And all sport comes out of this as well, as well as possible. For you, um, Pat, what, what's next? What's on the horizon for you? Um, I would like to... Okay. Of course I'd like to play netball again. I'm crazy competitive. Sarah knows what I'm like. I can't do anything without <laughs> yeah. Um But I'm, look, I, I know my time is up. I know that I've started training with my husband during this pandemic and, my God, it hurts. It hurts. It hurts too much. It's very different. My goodness. Um, but I think I just want to concentrate on being a mum and a wife at the moment. My husband's actually been in Italy for five years and this is our first time living together. So I'm learning to be a mum and a wife, which is really interesting because wow. we're stuck in each other's faces. How's that, how's that going, Kat? Yeah, no, he's still alive. I mean we're still married, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Oh, That's brilliant. Good. He's my person, he understands me, but yeah, we're just doing this together and I was never gonna walk away from the game of netball. Everything like I mentioned earlier, I was fighting, I was coming back. So I got pregnant and thought maybe that was it that was that was the push I needed. So yeah, I just want to concentrate on being with my family at the moment and then we'll see what happens after that. Well, Kat, we wish you the very best of luck. Thank you for joining us. Sarah and Max, do you have any questions? Just one around um, 
World Cup, obviously. Um, really happy if England weren't going to win it that New Zealand did. Um, but I guess from from your point of view, how big a shock was it? Like, like Nolene was kind of, kind of came in as the saviour. She was the saviour in the, as it turned out from Com Games. But but was it expected or was it as big a shock for New Zealand that you guys won it as it was for kind of the outside public? I think um, for New Zealand and the netball community in New Zealand, it could have gone either way. There was so much trust in Nolan and what did she, what she had already done. And I could see that um, when we went into these pre-games, I think there was a consolation cut beforehand and she was churning out players. There were just new debuts for the sort of fans like in every series. But no one really um, went against what she was doing and we were losing. And... You know, you expect a loss to be welcomed by pitchforks and, and it, was, it wasn't. It was fine. It was absolutely fine for the community. Um, so we trusted her, basically. But for myself, I was not surprised in the slightest. I was lucky enough to interview all of the Silver Ferns before they went away to the World Cup and just have a little bit of a chat with them, you know. I think in, in the media's eyes, the Silver Ferns were glum and down because we'd just come off the really bad Commonwealth games and they had disappeared from social media a little bit, you know, the girls all disappeared. And so I went in there to kind of shine a different light on them and get them to open up and have a giggle and show everybody that they were still human and they were still trying and they were still optimistic. So that's what I went in to do. And when I spoke to each of them, I could tell they had no doubts that they were going to win. And it was a tall ask, you know, I kind of asked through gritted teeth, like, do you think you can do this? And they all came back with like, yeah, we can. I'm like, hey, okay, I, I believe you. Yeah, it was it was like they believed it. It was beautiful. And I was like, oh my god, you guys are actually gonna win? And they hadn't even they hadn't even gotten together for the actual World Cup team training yet. So I was like, man, you guys believe this. And Knowles has this amazing ability to make anyone believe in anything. So Yeah, well, I'm going to start calling it the Knowles. In fact, it worked, didn't it, Kat? They were just mm. outstanding and it was an amazing game to watch. Yeah, it was It was incredible. Um, the only one, I think the only question that could follow that one from Sarah is, uh, can they do it again in four years' time? I think we do. We've created some belief out of nowhere that we can compete. And I think while we couldn't really see what Knowles was doing by churning all these girls through to give them international experience, those girls are still waiting in the wings and they've touched the court and they know what it feels like and they've been a part in some way of Knowles um, and the Silver Ferns lead up to that historical World Cup win. So those girls are waiting, they're young enough and they'll make the next World Cup. So I do think they can. That's what we want to hear. Nice work. Yes, it is. Thank you so much. Thank you very much for joining us on Netball Nation, Katu of IT. Uh, we shall wait with bated breath for your next Instagram post that's bound to make everyone laugh. <laughs> so thank you for keeping us all entertained. That's all right. Thanks for talking to me, guys. Take care. Thanks, Kat. See you later. Thank you. Take care. Right. Bye-bye. Miss you, Bayman. Miss you too. Bye, everybody. Oh, that's cute. This is Netball Nation. Powered by Netball UK. Shop now at netballuk.co.uk.